0: Future Talk. This is Future Talk
1: with Omnyal Saleh and Hani Balkis.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse 95. I'm wishing you guys a very happy Monday and a very happy week. Hope you guys had a great weekend. I know I did. And uh, right here on Future Talk, ladies and gentlemen, we will be giving you all the latest news and technology, whether it's right here in the UAE or all around the world. And ladies and gentlemen, kick-starting off the show, we will be talking about the Musk, the Elon Musk. <laughs> And now he does want to, you know, have a different approach. He doesn't want to focus on Tesla anymore, but he does want to focus on robots. And he does believe that robots will be bigger business than the Tesla cars.
2: Yes, indeed. I just want to mention that today is yet another day to celebrate because it's finally the last day of January. It felt like January was four months long at this point
0: yeah January took a while
2: yep finally last day of January over here but coming up on today's show we're talking all about Apple and how they are finally bringing a long-awaited feature I feel like we're gonna end the pandemic and Apple is still working on this feature but they are testing a feature that allows face ID to work with masks and without a watch because previously with the iOS 15 update or even a little bit before that they launched the new update where you can open your phone uh, if you have a face mask on as long as you have an apple watch but what about those who don't own one now it's going to become a lot easier for them to unlock their phones
0: yes and ladies and gentlemen we do have a live zoom interview with dr mustafa Khamis and dr mehmet eglimaz and today we will be talking about
2: the power of green hydrogen now we've constantly heard about green hydrogen you know, potentially changing the world in the year 2050. We've already been seeing lots of advancements of it, but how can we truly utilize the power of green hydrogen? Today, we're going to be talking about a very important project that the Sharjah Research Technology and Innovation Park is doing in collaboration with the American University of Sharjah. They are targeting the launch of an applied research ecosystem For the generation, storage, and utilizing of green hydrogen. It's going to be a very exciting conversation, and I can't wait to find out more about the power of green hydrogen.
0: Yes, and ladies and gentlemen, we also might be talking about how researchers do look to create faster, cheaper COVID 19 testing kits, and that would be with the help of a smartphone camera and an app. Now we are looking at how. You know, smartphones are no longer a luxury, but they are becoming a necessity in our daily lives. And the COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated our adaption or adaptation to smartphones to make our lives much, much easier. Ladies and gentlemen, we are taking a short break. But when we come back, we're talking all about the robots that Elon Musk thinks are going to be bigger than Tesla cars. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect
1: our world.
2: For the longest time, Elon Musk has been betting on Teslas. Teslas have been the talk of the town, but apparently not for this year because Elon Musk's theme for the year 2022 is to focus more on robots because he believes that robots are going to be a much bigger business than Tesla cars. In my humble opinion, I feel like he's just trying to run away from all the lawsuits that have been raised against Tesla cars.
0: Yes, and that could be, you know, uh, well, the factor of the matter. But again, ladies and gentlemen, we are looking at, you know, technology technology advancing and how robots are becoming more and more wanted, especially with the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, you do notice if you're an avid listener on the show that we always bring up the COVID-19 pandemic, but the COVID-19 pandemic did accelerate technology and our adaptation to technology and technological advancements in such a way that Because we had to adapt to this current circumstances that the pandemic did you know give us and you know when we are looking at the COVID-19 pandemic Omni and I have brought you guys countless number of robots that were there to help you know health practitioners to help the patients uh, that were isolating during the COVID-19 pandemic and Elon Musk. Is you know seeing that how we're looking at a very big opportunity uh, for you know for, for Tesla for Elon Musk as a whole and Elon Musk did even tell investors at a Tesla earnings call that you know he has robot plans and it does have the potential to be more significant than the vehicle business and obviously that would be done over time and you know he even went on and said that they would be the most important things that Tesla as a whole worked on this year and i think that yes Omnium does have a great point that tesla has been under fire for quite some uh, for a couple of months now uh because maybe of their faulty cars or you know uh their all of a sudden payments when it came to their software but also i do think that You know, they're taking the Facebook approach, Omnium. Mm. Uh, You know, rebrand meta. Okay, (laughs) let's go. uh, You know, see you later. You know, we have a new product. Let's go and work on that.
2: True. And they're actually aiming to call the new bot, the Tesla bot. So this is basically what they've been trying to kind of use to remove the attention away from all the lawsuits that have been raised against Tesla cars. And Elon Musk did say that he's gonna be using the same artificial intelligence system that helped power Tesla vehicles on this new bot. But when we're talking about that specific bot, No real prototype was actually seen in the media, but he does hope that this is going to be changing this year and he wants to have a face of Tesla that is a robot. So this week, Mr. Musk told investors that the humanoid robot's first application would be at a Tesla plant. So this new bot is going to be helping move parts of Tesla's around the factory or something like that. And that's in his words. But in the future, he sees that this new bot is going to help solve labor shortage issue, which definitely played a big factor when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic and how we've seen different industries, whether it's the smartphone industry, the car industry, suffer dramatically because of labor shortage. Sh- labor shortage.
0: Yes, and 100% Nia. And you know, when we are looking at you know labor shortages, uh, you know, the main reason or the main uh, purpose of why that happened mm-hmm. is because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And again, uh, I do believe there's a lot of people that would love to work in labor, but obviously given this the, the, the circumstances that we do have um, today is quite hard, but again, we are looking at how robots will be put in warehouses, factories, and these robots can work 24 hours a day because they don't need a you know a coffee break, they don't need Mm-mm. to sit down, they don't need to go home and see their families. Now Elon Musk did take it to Twitter, which is you know his very favorite platform to go out there and talk about things <laughs> that you know ruin his stock or even boost his stock. Now he did tweet that Tesla AI might play a very big role in artificial general intelligence, and that would be given that it trains against the outside world, especially with the advent of optimists. Now, AGI does refer to the ability of a machine to learn or understand tasks currently performed by humans. Now, uh, we are looking at Mr. Musk, who has previously warned AI risks killing off the human civilization, <laughs> and that is a big factor because... Once humans get lazy and they're not pushed to do the hard work, uh, you know, I think we can all speak for ourselves. When things come easy, we don't like to work. We just, we get used to it and we get accustomed to doing nothing
2: true let us know would you be welcoming of the idea of a new tesla bot that is going to help manufacture a lot of tesla cars as well as have future jobs uh, very very soon let us know your thoughts for 215 taking a short break but when we come back we're talking all about apple finally launching the face id with a mask feature without kind of acknowledging you without a mask or with a mask uh, but for those who don't own an Apple Watch. Keep all 75 locked. We'll be right back. Daily digital news.
0: Bits and bytes connect our world. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we do know that, uh, you know, we've all been wearing masks when we go out. And uh, for those of us who have face ID, it is pretty annoying you know having to t- type in your password because obviously you know the face id is not recognizing your face cuz you got a mask on <laughs> but you know apple last year kind of uh, found a way around it for apple users and people who have apple watches and If you had your Apple Watch on and you had a mask on and you tried to open your phone, it would unlock because it detected that you had your watch on your wrist.
2: Does it work with you, though? Because it doesn't work with
0: you. Sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it doesn't. I Hmm. mean, if I have my watch on, it works. And sometimes I won't have my watch on and it will work. Mm. And sometimes it (laughs) won't work. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's been glitching uh, lately. But now we're looking at Apple testing that feature, even if you don't have an Apple Watch.
2: Yes, indeed. And this has been news that's been breaking the social media platforms because everyone is waiting for it. So the iPhone maker actually released the very first iOS 15.4 developer beta version, which is the version that is usually used in the final testing phases before commercial release, before we all get to enjoy the brand new iOS update. So this update actually gave a lot of users the ability to use Face ID with a mask on, even if they don't have their Apple Watch nearby and this has been a very much it's it's a very much needed feature because we're all now wearing face masks for the most part at least right here in the uae it is you know we're required by the law to wear face face masks and it's very inconvenient to constantly have to type in your passcode i've actually known a couple of friends who've removed you know the whole face id altogether because they're just frustrated by it so The technology that is used by iPhone to unlock your phone with Face ID is known as the True Depth Front Camera. So what it does is combine uh, data from your eyes and other features. And until now, users have not been able to unlock their iPhones while wearing face masks. However, Apple did receive a lot of criticism because they have not addressed the issue ever since the pandemic started. It's been what? Now we're we're approaching the third year of the pandemic?
0: Yeah, in a couple of months, uh, you know, we will hit the third year of the COVID-19 pandemic. And by the way, Omnia, you know, um, Apple's biggest competitor, Mm -hmm. which is Samsung, (laughs) actually does give the user the option to use an iris scan, an eye scan, to unlock their devices. And, you know, that will, you know, thereby pass masks and bypass the masks. And you won't need, you know, uh, to take off your mask if you want to unlock your phone. Now, actually, Omnia, you Mm. know, a lot of users recently because of, uh, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and the use of masks have been advocating for a new type of uh, or not new type, a reintroduction of an old type of software or old type of hardware, which was, uh, you know, the popular Touch ID, which when it first came out, you know, it was revolutionary. And I don't want the Touch ID back, to be uh, to be honest. But some people say, hey, give us both. Give us, you know, the Face ID and the Touch ID. But uh, again, you know, they did think that the iPhone 13 series would have that. And uh, we didn't. So maybe in the iPhone 14. I
2: actually read a lot of rumors and speculations that this was going to be or this is coming with the iPhone 14. And Apple is considering it a revolutionary uh, bring or feature that they're bringing back but i guess we have time to tell let us know if you're excited for it it should be out very soon so usually when they launch the uh, final testing phase right before commercial release we're looking at a couple of weeks before it is out for the general public keep pulse 95 locked we're going to be taking a short break but when we come back we have a very special conversation all about the power of green hydrogen how has it been making lots of changes right here in the emirate of sharjah we're going to be discussing it with dr mustafa khamis as well as dr mehmet aglimaz from the american university of sharjah future talk
0: this is Future
2: Talk with
1: Onyal Saleh and Hany Balkis.
2: Decarbonizing the planet is one of the goals that many countries around the world have set for the year 2050. More specifically, right here in the UAE, we've always been one step forward. And this is a project that many, many, many uh, emirates right here in the UAE have already been embarking on. And the Emirate of Sharjah has always been one step ahead. So today we're talking about the latest project that the Sharjah Research, Technology and Innovation Park has revealed in cooperation with the American University of Sharjah. They are targeting the launch of an applied research ecosystem for sustainable energy solutions to develop new technologies to help generate green hydrogen. What is green hydrogen? Is it actually green? And what are the different properties that it owns? Speaking to us today is Dr. Mustafa Khamis, as well as Dr. Mehmet Aglimaz, who are both uh, professors in the College of Arts and Sciences at the Department of Physics and Chemistry in the American University of Sharjah. Thanks a lot for joining us.
0: Thank you. Thank you welcome to the show professors it's been a while since i've talked to a professor at (laughs) university but uh you know we're glad to have you guys on the show now i want to ask you guys you know what makes green hydrogen one of the most promising future-proof technologies
3: thank you honey if you allow me to step in right now and try to give some idea why hydrogen is called green and is it really green like what omnia just mentioned a few seconds ago and you know that hydrogen is considered as the fuel alternative fuel for the present and the future. Mm-hmm. And it's decarbonizing the environment as and the, the, the globe in general. Why? Because it has very low impact on our environment. It has no footprint on CO2. It's a clean source of energy. And so it can be providing you with all what you need from energy point of view without polluting the environment. That's the green. Mm-hmm. Why it's a green? Because it, usually hydrogen is colorless. Mm-hmm odorless you can smell it you cannot even see it you can't even feel it but it's highly combustible so Mm. it can burn easily okay but depending scientists try to find out a way to distinguish the source of hydrogen whether it's coming from polluting source or not and based on that they give them the color for mm-hmm. instance, when we talk about the green hydrogen, is hydrogen that is utilized from a source that does not utilize burning fossil fuel, does not produce any carbon. Mm-hmm. So that's why its generation is does not invoke any global warming on the environment, no carbon dioxide footprint and no global warming. Hence, it's called the green. And utilization of hydrogen, too, in our everyday need of energy from transportation to factories and so on is also can be burned and the byproduct only is water. Mm -hmm. So the cycle is complete with zero liquid discharge. We are just utilizing the source of energy. Usually utilization of energy is coming from sources. Now, there is also blue hydrogen. Have you heard of blue hydrogen? No.
0: Blue hydrogen
3: (laughs) is coming from a process that utilizes Let's say the uh, steam treatment of methane mm. that produce hydrogen and CO2. But the CO2 is captured, so it's not polluting. That's why it's called blue. Okay. But also there is a gray hydrogen. Gray hydrogen that the hydrogen is not really captured at all. You see, so that's why CO2 will not be captured and hence it will pollute the environment we call it the gray. Mm. So it's not really as, as good as green hydrogen. Now, if we go to turquoise hydrogen, is the one that comes uh, coming from uh, by rules of methane where we strip the hydrogen from the carbon and we obtain carbon solid and the hydrogen if the carbon solid stay as carbon solid it will be beneficial if we are burning the carbon then we are polluting the environment and there is pink there is yellow and so on, if you are utilizing, you know, uh, nuclear power or other type of energy. But sustainable source of energy, renewable source of energy, always producing green hydrogen, utilizing what is called the solar cell or photovoltaics or electrolysis of water.
2: Absolutely. And that's
3: where we are coming in as a university to improve the method by which hydrogen generated, uh, rec- uh, let's say consumed and stored.
2: And that's going to be what we're going to be coming back to discuss after a very, very short break. We're going to be talking about a very interesting project that the American University of Sharjah is carrying out with the Sharjah Research and Technology and Innovation Park. Very, very short break. We'll be back with you. So send in your questions at 4215.
0: This is Future Talk. Future Talk.
2: Future Talk with Amia Al Saleh and Hany Balkas. Whenever we talk about liquid gold, everyone thinks of oil. But soon enough, this is going to change because hydrogen has been the talk of the town recently. It has been called the fuel of the future for decades, brings about lots of benefits. And today we're going to be talking exactly what those benefits are with Dr. Mustafa Khamis, as well as Dr. Mehmet Eglimaz, who are professors in the College of Arts and Sciences at the American University of Sharjah recently. The world has definitely been very excited about the benefits of green hydrogen and more specifically the Sharjah Research Technology and Innovation Park in cooperation with the American University of Sharjah. They have been working on a project that will bring the benefits of green hydrogen to life. Thanks a lot for joining us.
0: Thank, Thank you. you. <clears throat> it's a pleasure having you guys on the show. Very good vibes right here on the show. And can you guys tell us a little bit more about the unique experiments and research that you and your team are currently working on to develop these low-cost technologies for the generation of green hydrogen
1: sure sure uh, So, so basically what dr mustafa made is like hydrogen is a great fuel right so mm-hmm. we understood that so the, the, it comes with a problem the problem is um you cannot find hydrogen pure in nature so you have to find a way to separate it, it. like you know just it could be hydrocarbon it could be like water right water as mm-hmm. all we uh, know just it is um h2o so you have two units of hydrogen and one unit of oxygen there so now the, the the name green comes from the fact that how you do it so mm. it, can you do it in a clean way or in a relatively environmentally dirty way right so the green comes from the fact that you separate hydrogen from its compound let's say take it as water in a very very clean way right so now Our experiments uh, in collaboration with Saja Research Park, Research and Innovation Park, is basically making this process very efficient and very cost effective. Mm -hmm. So how we do that is this process like uh, relies on a, a chemical concept which we call electrolysis, right? So basically, you are separating hydrogen from the oxygen. So this requires some energy input. Obviously, we understood that this is a green green energy input. So that's why we call this a a green hydrogen. So the important factor is in the um, most effective way of doing that is uh, basically having a catalytic uh, activity going on there. So uh, and the catalytic activity versus the surface area. So the best material to do that in a most effective and uh, effective way is platinum It's extremely expensive material. This is the so far the available technology. Right. So what we need to do, we need to do this in a very, very uh, sort of cost effective way. So alternative electrodes needs to be used there so you can use non noble materials right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we use uh, a very, very uh, sort of a novel technique called femtosecond laser nanostructuring. Mm-hmm. So we increase <laughs> the surface area of materials uh, from, let's say, 50 times to up to maybe 400 times. So uh, this is equivalent of using a much larger container,
2: and so mm. the efficiency
1: increases as much as the surface area increases, right? And but moreover we bring new functionalities so we can change the catalytic activity of a material uh, an ordinary material uh, bringing close to platinum right? mm. so so uh, so our research basically involves uh, 30 uh, up to 40 different materials surface nanostructuring and comparing it to traditional platinum um, sort of uh, based technologies and uh, improving the efficiency of hydrogen generation uh, for fuel cells and other uh, hydrogen uh, based technologies.
2: That's amazing. And, you know, when we talk about generating green hydrogen, a very important question comes to mind, which is how is that excess energy stored? Because for the longest time, we've heard several misconceptions about using renewable energy. A lot of people say Mm -hmm. that the main drawback is that it relies on natural elements. But with green hydrogen, this is not really a main issue because we can always use electrolysis. We're not necessarily depending on the sun uh, solely. So how is that excess energy from green hydrogen stored? And will it always be available for usage?
3: Well, uh, can I answer this question? Ah, please go ahead. <laughs> okay, so now when it comes to storage of hydrogen and utilization of hydrogen, this is a really very important topic. Mm-hmm. And that remind me in the you know the episode that happened back in 1937 when they were the first utilized hydrogen as a gas for transportation in the German, let's say, uh, uh, transportation power and that, you know, ba- uh, balloon exploded because of friction. Mm. So you have to really, hydrogen is really dangerous. So you have to store it and utilize it in a very safe and nice way. Now we have different options to store hydrogens. The first option is to store them as a gas mm. in cylinders and cylinders that are really, uh, can, uh, handle high pressures mm-hmm. and those cylinders can be transported to the source where with, or the end users where it could be utilized as source of energy for burning or as for fuel cells as Dr. just mentioned a few minutes a few seconds ago. Now the second option is to liquefy hydrogen mm-hmm. and make it liquid. and that's very expensive. You see the temperature return hydrogen gas to liquid is around 250 minus 254 degrees centigrade wow (laughs) it's around uh, around 14 kelvin something like this very low temperature Mm -hmm. liquid helium can be done at 4.2 kelvin minus 269 this one is by myself i worked with that you know so Mm -hmm. it's really very nice way so you store hydrogen as a liquid and then you transfer it there now also we have other the same methods Which part of the research that we will be investigating here is to find solid adsorbents that can absorb hydrogen at high pressure release mm-hmm. the pressure hydrogen will come back to you and utilize it there and it can be done in cars transportation planes safely and it can be utilized easily in addition to storing hydrogen in elect uh, in uh, e-fuels mm-hmm. fuels that be using hydrogen to generate them say like ethanol e-ethanol e all of these are e-fuel that can be also generated they will produce co2 but the co2 that's produced will break even with the generation hence it's still the hydrogen will be like a green hydrogen
2: that's amazing
1: yeah I no, mean- to, to 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 sorry to add to uh, yeah. dr mustafa's point um so the process right uh, process doesn't come are free so the process of electrolysis comes with an input of energy right so therefore you know it's not just happening by itself so uh, the plants like can be designed in such a way uh and an alternative way just avoiding the minimum storage um so that the ener- you generate energy right that the input electric energy that you put you you can regulate that that you generate as much as you need mm. for for a certain network So this is one uh, Dr. Mustafa's um, suggestions here are very valid as being applied. Uh, So there's a big challenge problem. It's a very ongoing problem in hydrogen storage, but also uh, so for uh, transformation is needed that you generate plants, which you you generate as much as you need. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, uh, we are looking, you know,
0: this, you know, revolutionizing in a brand new way of, you know, using this energy and this obviously sustainable energy. And we are looking at this being a very complex, you know, process. So I wanted to ask what kind of challenges that you guys have faced during this research project?
1: So the the research is still going on. So Mm -hmm. the research by itself is a challenge, Mm -hmm. right? So so basically uh, a, a proper research requires, Optimization Mm -hmm. and also, uh, first of all, you have to understand your problem so where you're going to hold it and just building up a sort of a a reasonable scale setup. And you have to also uh, validate your results, Mm -hmm. right? So you will always use uh, references. Uh, So this process is very time consuming and requires a lot of manpower. So, uh, I mean. A daily life of a researcher is challenged, the, the word that describes. So every <laughs> single step is a challenge. But what makes you happy is just you contribute, you got some results that you improve. Uh, sort of the this efficiency or the process uh, so uh after that challenging day that's a good result
2: absolutely
3: actually i might add something here you know if you allow me i would like to take this opportunity to thank Duke, uh, his highness dr S- uh, sultan ben Mohammed qasimi for his continuous support to AUS mm-hmm. and his continuous support to the charger innovation technology research uh, technology and innovation mm-hmm. park for you know translating the scientific research into technology, into application. Mm -hmm. So we are closing the cycle between science, technology, and society, so that our foundations can be utilized in real life and make the life of people really good. So for his donation and his encouragement, we were able to get the best, uh, the -the state-of-the-art instruments, like the femtosecond laser that uh, Dr. Mehmed just mentioned. Femtosecond means very short duration. 10 to minus 15 seconds. Look, zero uh, hour, 15, zero before one. So you are reaching that low, short duration of desert with high energy that makes this actually useful. Without his, uh, uh, his his Highness donation, we could not reach to this level of, still, of the art equipment that we can compete to the whole world and they bring this very high, powerful energy source to be used here in UAE.
0: 100% Absolutely.
2: yes and we want to thank both of you today for your tremendous efforts as well it's been such a great show with both of you thank you so much for joining us Dr. Mehmet and Dr. Mustafa thank, you very, thank, thank you very much
3: thank you our pleasure actually
0: thank you doctors you know it, it was you know a blast from the past you know sitting and having you know this <laughs> conversation with you guys Brings me back, you know, university memories.
2: Absolutely. Uh, well, <laughs> great,
3: great. <laughs> We are delighted. Okay.
2: We are really delighted.
0: Thank you,
3: guys.
2: We hope yeah, everyone got a chance to learn a little bit more about the power of green hydrogen. We're going to be taking a short break, but when we come back, we're talking all about how researchers are actually making very important usage out of our very own smartphone cameras to help us detect whether or not we have COVID-19.
0: Pulse 95. Apps all around. What's worth a click and download. Pulse What's worth a click and download, ladies and gentlemen, we're all talking about, you know, applications, but not your basic application, not the application that, you know, uh, you use on a daily basis or per se, you know, uh, use to, you know, browse the web, but we're using, we're talking about applications that will better your life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about, you know, how researchers researchers are looking to create a faster, cheaper COVID-19 testing kit and that would be with the help of a smartphone camera and an app.
2: Imagine being able to find out if some if someone has COVID or not by simply pointing your camera at them. Now it's a little bit less creepy than that, luckily, but researchers have always been trying to find a way to make it easier and cheaper to test for the COVID-19 virus. And a team led by scientists at the University of California have announced that they have created a new system that uses a smartphone camera, a simple app, and a testing kit to help bring COVID tests' accuracy a lot higher. So this study, actually, uh, what they worked on is having... a uh, little bit of a testing kit just like the ones that we see in pharmacies right here in the UAE your typical COVID-19 antigen test but these test kits could deliver results in 25 minutes and they're a lot more reliable than your typical antigen rapid antigen test that a lot of people have been buying Mm -hmm. they're inexpensive but they're not always accurate sadly Um, on the other hand When we talk about PCR tests, they're what what you would call your gold standard. Yeah, they're a little bit more expensive and take longer time. So they want to find something in between. They created this app. It's a custom app that uses a smartphone camera and a testing kit, and it measures the reaction that the virus has to the person's saliva. When you simply take a sample of that and mix it in a chemical solution.
0: Yes, I mean, we are looking, you know, at the need for greater access to cheap and accurate COVID-19 testing kits. And, you know, that did take on a renewed urgency in recent months as the Omicron variant sent cases rising in the United States and, you know, around the world. Now, uh, you know, the White House did say that on Friday, you know, a quick statistic that around 60 million U.S. households had ordered a free at home COVID-19 test through a government website. That did launch around two weeks ago. Now, not only is having a quicker test better to make us safer, but to make traveling, going into these areas, going into these designated areas that you need to have, for example, right here in the UAE, a green pass. And I do believe, you know, countries all around the world have something relatable or, you know, alike to the green pass uh, on Al-Husun. So you can get into areas that require that. And also for the greater picture of traveling. So a lot of people don't travel because, uh, you know, they don't have uh, the time to go through that PCR testing. It adds on top of, you know, the load you have when traveling in general. Now, dubbed the smart lamp, the test system from, you know, the University of California in Santa Barbara. Uh, the team did work by analyzing those saliva samples for bits of the coronavirus genetic material. Now, that kit also did require to run the app, and it does consist of a dish to hold the saliva sample, a hot plate, LED lights, and specifically or specially form- a formulated cocktail of chemicals that did include a f- fluorescent dye, which did light up in response to reactions. And Omni actually, uh, you know, she brought us a story a couple of months ago about a mask that does the same yep. and shows colors if, you know, you might have Uh,
2: COVID-19. Absolutely, and the app and the smartphone camera come in handy because you would have to take a photo every 10 seconds while the test is analyzing your result so that you can get a much clearer picture whether or not you have the uh, virus chemicals or the virus samples in your body or not. Now, it is still some time before this app and the smartphone camera come in handy and come to life. However, it is hope that one day we may just be able to test for COVID-19 in a much faster and easier
0: Way. Yes. And, you know, a much cheaper way as Absolutely. well as, you know, they are looking at it being less than seven dollars. So around, you know, 30, 35 dirhams. And, you know, uh, in the United States, they call Corona the Rona. So hopefully <laughs> we won't get the Rona. And if we do get the Rona, we'll know pretty quickly. So we do not infect the ones around us. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of Future Talk for today. We do have the halftime show. The only place to be at three with the man himself, Omar Adouri, commencing in T-minus three minutes. We did give you guys a jam-packed show for today. And do expect a jam-packed show all week for the rest of the year. Ladies and gentlemen, 4215, let us know your favorite story of the hour. But Omni and I will be seeing you guys same time, same place tomorrow, only here on Pulse. 95.